This is Mike from the Polygamers Podcast, because you can't play with just one. And you are listening to For the Lore. Listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves into the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or even game design. Joining Roger from Wow Dogs, and for the lore is Joe, writer for World of Maticus, and Enrique of Spooncraft. Hello and welcome to For the Lord, this is Roger coming to you on Monday, the 15th of March. With me, same as usual, we've got Joe from wow.com, worldomaticus.com, and we have the totem.com, as well as Enrique from spooncraft.com, and uh, the Ghost Academy. I didn't forget it. I knew it. So, how's it going, boys? <laughs> Doing really, really good. Yeah, it's, it's going great. Exhausted, but great. Before we get into too much, I want to give a quick shout out to our Hazard Guildies that we got on Eridar. A couple of them are joining us live tonight, and uh, I haven't been in the guild nearly as long as you have, Rick. However, I well, I moved over my, my 80 Shaman, and I will definitely be moving over my Druid. It's just a fantastic group of people. Every time I log on, we have a blast. So yeah, hi to all the dudes and chicks. Hey, everybody, for who puts up with Roger. Congratulations. Hey, they were well-trained already. If they could put up with Rick for that long, dude, I was a cakewalk. I'd also like to take hey. a second to give a shout-out to, to Random Target Clerk. That was awesome today. <laughs> you may want to explain that. Could you elaborate? All right. So, okay, for those of you who missed it, um, I went to Target today to just pick up some provisions. Um, and as I'm cashing out, my signature on my credit card is actually worn off. And so the guy asked to see my ID, and he looks at it. And he looks at me and he looks at it again. He's like, you know, this is going to sound really weird, but are you Joe Perez from For the Lore? And I'm like, yeah. I'm not because I am absolutely fucking not. No, because I'm sitting there. I'm like, okay, because my my ID picture, I'll take a scan. I'll take a scan of it later. It looks exactly like the picture we have on the site of me. I'm not even kidding. It was fucking hilarious. So he's like, he's like, dude, so awesome, you know, and like not like fanboyish, but we just talked about video games for a little while, and you know, he asked me what I was going to be buying and what was coming up that I was looking forward to, and then I went on my little geeky way. So it was kind of awesome. I thought it was hilarious because not like, not for WoW.com, not for Maticus, for the podcast of all fucking things. Hey, which hey, is hey, 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 hey! Don't put it down. Hey, I'm not putting it down. It's just like. <laughs> It's just like, it's nice to know that people listen to us and it's nice to know that random people listen to us. You know what? I'm happy. I'm really fucking happy today. Yeah. I, had, the, the, I was going to say the podcast is a better half of the three things that you do. <laughs> <laughs> actually, I was going to say, I actually had that happen to me a couple of times, but one not that long ago, but for my writing for books and I had somebody email through the office. So they actually work for the government as well saying, are you Roger? so-and-so from who wrote this book and it was like holy crap and hell that's <laughs> it kind of throws you off and you're like what but yeah it's kind of cool 
Um, this was a fantastic week for all of us, also because there was a bunch of closed betas that we got into. Shh, shh. So, no, 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 I just hold You're on. You're going to get us in trouble. I am I'm not really bad at you. Just shut up. Okay, <laughs> as you can tell, there's some NDAs here that are going to prevent us from saying much of anything, but I got into the Lego Universe beta, closed beta, and Rick got into the APB closed beta. Now, yeah. <laughs> and I'm just, that, I'm, I'm, yeah. And then I let Joe. Uh, Joe's going to be using my account as well on days when we're not playing. My youngest and I. I don't. Did you actually yeah, yeah. get a chance to play on Sunday? No, because the uh, password you gave me was invalid. No, it's not. It's valid. <laughs> I'm quite positive, dude, that it's valid because that's the one we've been using. I okay. To God, I love to go log in. It was like. All right, but are you? Have, were you using the caps like I put down to when I typed yes, it? Yes, I was. Okay, well, I'll send it to you again because, dude, I've been using it. So maybe I okay. typed it wrong when I sent it, but that was obviously you could have texted me. Why didn't you text? I was busy. There was more important things in gaming this weekend. Thank you. I thought she was gone by then. Nah, she just left this morning. Ah, okay. Well, I understood then. Um, oh yeah, much better things in gaming. Yeah. Well, you could have told me we would have played at least. <laughs> My the 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 closed beta is only certain days for Lego Universe. I don't know if APB is going to change. Yeah, it's, yeah, it, it's the same thing. It's probably just like we. It, that seems to be the new trend. I think Blizzard is the only company that does a beta that is a persistent period of time that isn't just little spurts of like a weekend here, a couple days there, whatever. Yeah. Now, so again, people, we're not trying to tease here with our lack of information. It's just there's an NDA in place for a reason, and I'm not getting kicked out of this. Now, that being said, though, there's some things that I can talk about simply because like, we saw some of this during videos and everything. So, mm -hmm. I mean, we saw it. I can talk about it. Then that's final. And if they take it away, they take it away. Uh, I'll, and, and if they take it away, then they're real idiots because all I'm going to do is like fawn over it and talk Talk about how great it is and it is it's really good there's um there's some things that obviously need to be worked on that i'm not going to go into and again a lot of people forget the age group that this is targeted for it is targeted for a very young age group so you got to take that into consideration excuse me when you're looking at things that maybe bother you kind of thing so i played as well as my youngest who is going to be turning 13 actually this week coming and we had an absolute blast. It's restricted in terms of zones right now, too, that you can play in. But even that, like, I mean, it doesn't take you too, too long to finish everything off in those zones within reasons. They also, they also have achievements set up within the game, and those achievements then unlock special stuff that you can use as well. So you tend to work on that, too. But the game is solid. I mean, there were there was some lag as to be expected with any uh, closed beta, although I only found it really... And I don't want to say bad, but more so in one day than the other. The other, there was next to no lag, and it was still full of people. I, I to be honest, I have nothing but good thing. There's, again, a couple of critiques that I'm sure they're going to work on. But as a whole, oh, my God, we had an absolute blast with this. It was just so much fun. So what about what about uh, APB? How did you fare? I can't say. Okay, so... Again, <laughs> no, you see, you don't understand. This NDA is the equivalent to just shoving hot things into my eyes because there's so much to talk about, but I can't yep. talk about it. And uh, uh, I know NDAs are a pain in the ass, but you know what happens? 
you get to that open beta phase and you can explode. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> neither, neither of us wants to lose this because we're having our blast with our respective games. Um, I, and again, it's going to be very hard for us to... I, I don't have a problem expressing enthusiasm without going into issues and, and things like that. So enthusiasm, I think, is fair game, and it certainly doesn't speak ill of the game either. So no, I... I'm, I am very enthused. Put it at that. <laughs> fair enough. Okay, let's get into some of the news that was going on this week, too. This week was the GDC again going yes. on, still going on. And there has been a crap load of stuff coming out of the G- GDC, not just in terms of stuff that we can look forward to coming out, but as well, like, your regular games that you're playing now patches coming up and shit like that um as you could tell on your screen if you're looking here one of the ones that i'm particularly excited about is the announcement of battlestar galactica online which is kind of sweet because i much prefer that universe as opposed to like the star trek online kind of stuff like gonna be completely different games this one is going to be browser based as well so again you're looking at a lot of different things however in terms of just the IP as a whole, I love the B, the Battlestar Galactic uh, IP. I absolutely adore it. See, and I was really excited about this until I started looking at things like uh, the fact that it was browser-based and the company that's developing it. So I'm a little leery. And the reason I'm leery about that is because I don't know how well a browser-based MMO like this game is going to go. I mean, if you look at it now, what are the browser-based MMOs that people play? There's a, a like a random science fiction one. There's, you know, tribe wars, crap like that, that aren't nearly as advanced as something like this would possibly deserve. Um, I, I don't know. I'm a little leery. Like I love Battlestar Galactica. I have the original DVD set in the Cylon mask sitting on my goddamn shelf, for Christ's sake. Battlestar Galactica always has a, a special place in my heart. So looking at this, I'm a, I'm a little apprehensive as to how it's going to, to, to go, just because there's not much about it yet. It was announced, but we don't have any screenshots. We don't have any production stills. We don't have any uh, whiteboard data. They just announced that they're going to do it. They announced what company is going to do it, and they announced that it's going to be browser-based. So See, a little, uh. the thing that I, I I felt the same way initially, but then as I started reading more about it and whatnot, um, you do see how it, it's mainly the North American audience that's not yet used to browser-based game. You see a lot more of that in Europe and in China and things like that. So that it is much more acceptable there to see it. You are also looking in terms of a browser-based game where it they can still do quite a bit now as opposed to before, and you are looking at a very low entry cost as well as potentially no charge per month kind of thing. So it's going to be, I think it's one of those where we're going to have to see what they're even planning for it. I mean, it could just be a lot more... Um, a lot more ship combat kind of thing, or it could be a lot more um, uh, like land-based or whatever. I'm, I'm anticipating a lot more ship based on like that was basically what BSG was kind of thing. So who knows what they're going to do? Well, and, and that's what it is. I just, I want more information and I will reserve judgment until uh, more information is out there and we can see what exactly they're doing. And that's, that's where I stand with it currently. But yes, I would love to see this IP just take off. I really would. Because Battlestar Galactica, the entire universe is just awesome. The story is amazing and it should be totally geeked out over. So yeah. 
yeah, looking forward to it. Um, what did we also see? We also saw a lot more about the PlayStation, and they named it now. It's the PlayStation Move, which is... Ice cream scoop. I mean, there's a lot of comparisons you can make for that thing. It's, again, I it's going to be the same thing where in you're going to see all the same gimmicky games that you got with um, the Wii. So they're, they're a few years behind right now, and it's going to be all gimmicky games at first, and then who knows what they're going to be doing it, with it later on. And then again, when you compare it to Natal, which is... In my opinion, a leap, a huge leap forward from the Wii. I mean, this is still your again. It's it's old technology. It's not going to. I can't. I can't expect that, that many great things for it. And the last time PlayStation moved into uh, advancing their controller schemes was when they tried using the eyesight to control video games. I don't know if you guys remember that. Yeah, uh, I remember. And how horrible that fucking was. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty it, bad. It, it was horrible. So, yeah, I don't know. It was just they're behind. And I think PlayStation needs to concentrate more on doing what they're already doing and doing well and saying, fuck with the gimmicks. OK, let let the Nintendo Wii, you know, have their controller scheme. Let Natal do what it's going to do, because I don't think we're going to get the type of games we need. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not entirely sold on. It. I think Nintendo was fine. I, it, it, I don't know. I mean, I don't get what the big deal is with getting a PlayStation move. I guess Sony's got enough money to piss away on anything that they'll do whatever the hell they want to do and not even take a slight hit. And that's my opinion why they're doing it. I don't think they need to compete with Nintendo, you know, but the, the, the Natal thing actually looks like a step forward. I think the Natal is going to be something pretty damn cool. I just don't know how I could even apply that to a game. You know, it's just, I, I don't know. That, my opinion of gaming, the Wii is, is pretty much all I would ever really need as far as motion control kind of gaming for every other kind of gaming that I want that's not gimmicky, that doesn't involve that kind of interface. I'm fine with the PC, you know, or the 360 at this point now that I finally got one. It's just I, I don't really need to have to come. I don't have to pick one of three things. I see. I don't have a problem with the um, Natal when it's going to be coming out. I, I think that is a, a huge leap forward. And in terms of what they can do with it from there is huge, 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 huge. But to just bring out this move for PlayStation when instead they should be concentrating on maybe introducing new IPs that are strictly for the PlayStation 3 so that they can get even more people buying their console and things like that. Um, concentrate more on that kind of thing versus a hardware component. Because again, I, I don't believe that the PlayStation 3 needs to compete in terms of, of hardware with either of the oh, other two no. consoles. It is, it is point blank more powerful and it has more staying power. As long as they can get more games for it. Now, they, they, they're way ahead now than they were before. But introduce work on more Sony IP games that will strictly be on your console instead of this crap. And, and I could be wrong. Maybe it'll come out and there'll be a ton of stuff for it that won't just be gimmicky, but that'll actually be fun. It's possible. But it, it, at this point, what I've seen of the games that they're looking at introducing with it is basically the equivalent of, you know, the initial um, games that Nintendo put out. So that's not something that's got me. Okay, shut up. Where's your mute button? Sit, sitting on the couch eating Cheetos game is the most emotion you're going to get. Yeah. Out of Sammy. 
<laughs> All right, moving on from there because we're losing the audience here. We also, they're starting to do a lot of the viral marketing with Portal too, which I yes. love. This blue screen of death that showed up during the awards is absolutely hilarious. I'll make sure to link it for the folks. Um, check out the show notes if you if you haven't seen this already. But the, instead of a blue screen of death, it was a Gladys error <laughs> and there was actual code in it as well which basically told people that the next news about um portal 2 will be coming out during e3 so yeah very very cool i love the the tongue-in-cheek humor that they put in to their their error message to press any key to flood the facility with deadly neurotoxins and that shit so yeah it's it looks fantastic I love Portal. I love the universe that it surrounds. Uh, uh, that surrounds it. I love uh, how Valve, you know, approaches the game now after they didn't expect it to be such a huge success. And the marketing that they do with it is so unique because it can be unique. And that's one thing I'm really looking forward to seeing, especially in the 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 weeks to come. Um, I'm really, really, really looking forward to seeing what else they do, what other wacky crap they do. Um, if it's not ASCII pictures through DOS prompts, uh, blue screen of GLaDOS, Dev, what else is next? Are we going to have like full full body robots taking over the stage at E3, you know, with uh, gun drones and platforms and whatnot? Because that would be just fucking epic. And it's also something that Valve probably would do. And that's what I'm really looking forward to. I'm, that I wanted to see this just this campaign for it explode. Yeah. Um, also, some more news on Fable Three as well, which again, it's it's hard to get too excited just based on Money Nerd's track history. But I still find myself, I, I I still am interested, even when he says stupid shit like sixty percent of Fable audience understood only less than fifty percent of the features in Fable Two. Oh my God, way to insult you know your player base. That was really a slap in the face to anybody who played Fable 2. 50% of the time, 100% of the gamers want to kick Molyneux's ass. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. If we're going to throw out random numbers, let's go for it that way. But no, I mean, yeah, seriously, way to fucking insult us. <laughs> what what, what kind of gets me is that you guys have talked such crap for all intents and purposes, and I, I played it for all of five minutes, and I thought that Fable 2 was kind of crappy. It's just, just my opinion. But um, everywhere I go, man, I cannot visit any website that involves gaming at all and not have 12 pages of Fable 3, you know, look, John Cleese and this, that, and whatever. I'm like, okay, screenshots of Fable 3 and more news on Fable 3. I'm thinking, like, if, if this guy's such a douche and the first two games were kind of like, man, didn't deliver what was promised, well, why are we all nutting ourselves? I'll, I'll, okay, I'll let, let, let me... I'll let, let, Roger, I'll let Roger respond to this one. Let me just put it to you this way. The, the response that you get from us is a mixed one simply because what you're saying that the, the game is meh and that it doesn't deliver on promises is not entirely accurate. Only the the first one. The second one is quite true. He does not deliver on promises without a doubt. However, mm -hmm. the game itself, though certain aspects of it were not good, certain aspects of it were very good. The, the, the problem with Fable 2 is that it didn't deliver a consistent... Um, level of gameplay throughout and a lot of the things that he touted that were going to be in it simply were not or were obviously not to the level that he was talking about so 
the the this this bullshit of understood less than 50% of the features is really insulting because the thing is is that there were so few features in there so you really take us for like inbred hicks here because it was not a complicated game he dumbed down fable 2 far too much huh. way 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 too much the 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 combat was so simple it was it was Laffle? It ruined part of the enjoyment because it was so very simple. That being said, then if you look at the story-wise, when you start, the story is fantastic at the beginning. And even to midway, the story is like, okay, this is really enjoyable. Is it Mass Effect 2 enjoyable? No, it's not even close to that. But is it a good story with good voice acting and things like that? Yeah, it actually is. And does it ramp up fairly well? Yeah, it kind of does, actually. And there's different things that you could do on the side as well. And I'm not talking about the silly little side quest kind of working at the bar stupid thing, but actually different things that were fun that to do and that led you towards uh, building your character and whatnot. But then what happens is that when you got to the end of the game, I mean, this isn't a spoiler at this point, the game is how old. When you got to the end of the game, it was such an unbelievable letdown it, it, it was so anticlimactic. I cannot... At the time, I was doing the very first podcast that I, I was uh, recording way back when. And when I finished the, the, the game, I remember... <laughs> The podcast was, I think, that night or the night after. (laughs) And I just ranted and ranted and ranted. I could not stand it. It was unbelievable. Like, it ramped up so much, and then the ending is just such a letdown. I'm at the end, and again, I've got a sliver of life, and he's draining the life out of the other three. And I'm thinking, shit, I'm going to die here because I have no life. And no, you, you, you point your magic little music box at him like it's to be careful i got a box and (laughs) his soul gets drained into it or whatever and literally and then he turns red i shot him once with my gun that was it boom he fell off game over that was it that was that was it but yeah i was disappointed like it was fun i'm glad i finished it um but holy christ it was disappointing in terms of like again it's it's a box. You're you're killing them with a box. You know, like there's nothing to it. So, when you're looking at the Fable games, you're unfortunately it's not like you can look at a consistent level that the game had throughout. Instead, you're looking at this roller coaster ride, and you just wish that they could maintain that peak for longer and less of the the low. You know what I mean? That's that's the best way I right, can describe right. it. I don't know about you, Joe. I, I, you know, that I find that to be fairly accurate in echoing my own sentiments to the game. I really do. Um, the biggest thing that I will comment on, Molyneux, just because we've talked about Fable 2 and him all too much. One comment he did make um, when if you go through the notes uh, from Kotaku or Joystick or anywhere that posts it, he talks about how players, when they talk about the didn't understand the features, it's not a question of understanding them. Most players understood all the features in the game. The problem was the game didn't fucking need them. Okay. And that's a problem. If you're going to make a game that has all these fucking features, make them usable. Case in point, my friend beat Fable 2. Okay. And he beat it without raising a single fucking stat. I'm not even kidding. He went through just to see if he could do it. No stat raises whatsoever. So if you don't need to raise your stats, why is there a function in the game to do it? You know what I mean? So it's it's like saying that we don't understand 50% of the features. Fuck you, Molyneux. 
fuck you in your ass with a spike dildo because make a game that's worth playing, make a game that makes use of all the features Rage. and people will use them. And that's what I want. And like, if, if he can give me a fable three with a good story and a good story that takes that high point and rides it out to the end and gives me closure. And then he gives me a system that I need to use the system to play the game and beat the game. Congratulations. Give See, me a game where I can use all the fucking features. It's not even need to use it so much as even just enjoy using it. Like the, he made a big point about talking about the dressing room and the costumes and the different things like that. However, it was implemented in such a way that it was not a user friendly experience. It wasn't something you really no. wanted to do. So why would you waste your time doing it? Now, that's one of the things that he's talking about with three here, wherein you're going to have John Cleese as the butler and then whenever you want to change outfits or check maps or things like that, it's going to be more of a 3D environment where you walk in and you do it as opposed to all the mess of menus. So again, your 50% crop doesn't hold water simply because I didn't use it because it was not intuitive to go through it all. And like you said, if you didn't need to use it, why bother? And see, that's something that I'm feeling right now, not to go too much on a tangent on Star Trek Online, but that's one of the things I've been talking to people and saying how I'm finding right now that the away mission combat is so unbelievably easy that I literally don't have to look at the screen. I just hit my one and two and sometimes three literally keys and that's it <laughs> and people are saying yeah but you can micromanage your team and all that yeah but i don't need to they do their shit they do it very well and so i don't need to micromanaging something when there's no need to is not making the game more fun so that's something that i'm, I'm seeing there so just to use that as an example so yeah with fable 2 you didn't need to do a lot of the crap so why bother yeah, press that, one, press two, and if you're feeling adventurous, press three. Yeah. So <laughs> that being said, there's still some cool stuff with three that they're talking about that, again, if it can maintain that high, maybe it will be worth checking out. I'm definitely not buying it like I did with two, but I will be renting it just to, to actually play it. Uh, Can we, we talk about Mass Effect now, please? Yes, yes please. we're moving Yay! on. All right, go ahead. We got the <laughs> DLC, the first DLC coming out that they're talking about. Go ahead, Rick. Oh, that is okay. So yeah, it's coming out in April, right? Yeah. yeah okay, it comes out in early April, right? Probably we're gonna end March soon, and uh, we're getting that Firewalker one with the with a hammerhead that's coming out now in probably the next week and a half. So it's funny we're gonna get like back to back content for Mass Effect Two if they're toting, you know, if you put the schedules together. But um, it's basically it has to do with uh, an an assassin, a new character you're getting called Kasumi. And it's like an homage to the 007 movies where Shepard, uh, you have to go with her and whatnot and go into like some really high profile black tie formal dress kind of, you know, gala party from some, you know, infamous CD art collector and whatnot and break into the vault and take some some data pad that she needs. And, you know, I'm not going to go into spoilers, but you see some very interesting, very alluding pieces of art in this particular vault and one of the developers basically said in an interview that yes at some point we are going back to earth but not for this dlc so i'm very interested to see how this can possibly be a breadcrumb kind of like leading on to going back to earth proper you know there's a lot of characters you know in uh hell and shepherd's crew are from earth at some point so it's very very 
very interesting how that's going to go on. You get a new some machine gun, new character. She's kind of like a rogue. Um, she has an ability where she'll go invisible, go stealth as you will, uh, appear behind um, you know whatever target the enemy. Pretty much one shot the enemy coming right out of stealth and then be vulnerable to attack for a certain period of time. At which point, you know, hopefully you'll be able to, you know, call her back or go give her some support. But very, very cool. Me and Roger were talking earlier. Um, I would like to see this character become another possible romance for the male shepherd. And then he chimed in as well. Maybe she could be a possible romance for both the male or the female shepherd. So I don't know. We were talking about that a little bit earlier, weren't we, Roger? Yeah, I I do think it would be that's the easiest way for them to do it so that it could be a a romantic option for both. Not that it would have to be per se, because I mean they introduced the is Zaid a, a romantic option for if you play a female no. shepherd? No, he's no, not. No. Okay, Zaid, Zaid doesn't even have any. I like and I hate Zaid. He's like, got no I parts. Enjoyed- no, you can't you can't converse with him at all. In no, I know that. You- He's an extremely shallow character. I don't, I don't even know why they put him in the DLC. He's cool. He's got a lot of potential to be very cool. His stories are awesome. You know, and his his special move is his loyalty ability that you unlock. The Inferno Grenade is freaking beastly, but it's just, it compared to all the other characters that were in there, he's a little boring. I think he was added in as sort of a, another meat shield type character because if you look at the, the current cast of... Uh, characters you get and as Vince will be going through each of them um, you're going to hear more and more about what they do and you can see how they fall into certain categories and what I was looking at when I was going through the game is how there's really not a whole lot of meat shield characters Um, you know of course you have grunt and, and, and things like that but compared to the first game there's a lot more rough and tumble characters that if you didn't want to use any biotics whatsoever you could go run through and just muscle through like a soldier with a squad and not really have to worry about it. I think Zaid was added as an afterthought to kind of shore up the numbers on that front because he is a combat monkey. That is his entire fucking yeah. purpose. He you know, is I, a I, fucking beast when you give him a goddamn gun and just watch him just wreck through shit. It's absolutely awesome. But that's that's him. He's a very one dimensional character. And I think that's what he was added for. Well, I kind of I kind of have to disagree about the meat shield thing because I don't know. Maybe I'm just mistaken the way that I'm taking the classes. The typical soldier class in that game has a certain set of abilities. The one that I seem kind of you know stereotypical is this concussive shot thing, right? Mm-hmm. And damn near everybody fucking has it. Like my first playthrough, I played as a soldier. I'm like, oh cool, I can have concussive shot. I get Garrus. Hey, cool, he's got concussive shot. I get um. Grunt, he's got concussive shot. I get freaking Zaid, he's got concussive shot. Yeah, but I think they're talking more in terms of if you get somebody with a, a bio shield and things like that. Right. That's well, yeah, where you're yeah. going to get more of a tank when you've got your biotic shields and, and whatnot. So, oh, then, then straight up, yeah, then Grunt with his uh, fortification. Hell, I would even yeah. get right. uh, Taylor, uh, Jacob, because he's got a, he can kick a barrier at some point. But so whatever, I, and I think too that we're going to probably see a little bit more with this character by simple virtue of the fact that it's a paid DLC. Now we don't have a price on it yet. However, I'm thinking that the Zayed was just tossed in as the launch candy that was tossed at everybody, saying here's some armor, here's uh, here's a character, here's this crap kind of thing, and basically here have fun. But because this is going to, and even then taking that into consideration, the loyalty mission for Zayed, I'll say it again, was badass. It was fantastic, mm-hmm. and I do like the character so 
by simple virtue of the fact that this is again going to be a paid character that you're going to be getting on your team and that they have said it is integrated with the others i'm thinking that this is probably a lot more advanced this was planned way back is completely integrated mm-hmm. they took it out so that they could charge you for it later but i'm thinking i wouldn't be surprised if there is a chance of the the uh, the romantic option with her and things like that and i think she'll have a lot more dialogue and be a lot more interesting as well I'm really excited for the new character. I really am because of that. Also because this proves the point that their little DLC seeds will lead this game into a long and healthy life. Because how many people are already foaming at the mouth for it? How many people have beat this game two, three, four times, but are still waiting for this DLC because of what it could possibly mean? (laughs) I'm playing my fourth. (laughs) Yeah, sorry. uh, Okay, so, I mean, I'm on my third playthrough, for Christ's sake. I mean, it's just, that's the way it goes. And I'm looking at this and I'm like, there are so many different ways they can take this story. There are so many ways they can take the story and lead it into three and that's what i'm looking for i'm looking for this to be the different dots on the web that connect back into the next game see see ship combat sorry yeah that'd be interesting actually i really really want to see ship combat just kind of throwing that out there because they were talking about that they were asked in an interview as well they're like are you guys ever gonna do ship combat and they kind of just did this nervous look at each other and were uh eventually you know well we're looking (laughs) to do that maybe in mass effect 3 i think it's gonna be in 3 personally but that's just the way i think Oh, how badass would that be, dude? Seriously? Just watch, the, watch the Normandy 2 go flying into to combat and totally wreck somebody's warp drive and just watch them blow the fuck up. That'd be awesome. That'd make me happy. You know what I'm happy about is that they already know that they're not putting the stupid mining crap in three. They already know that was a bad idea. They're not putting that in. Way to learn, boys. You should have learned this beforehand. Um, something else that we heard about this week, too, during the GDC is when they were talking about um, how much work exactly how much work went into planning the integration from the imports so that if you imported your Mass Effect 1 character in, how big a difference does it have on your Mass Effect 2 gameplay? There was over 700 plot hooks that they're talking about if you imported the game. That's amazing. Like, I knew there was a lot of integration, but I didn't realize it was quite that much. Now, let's multiply that by everything in game two when they put three out. It's going to be absolutely amazing. And see, this is why I would love, like you guys keep talking about you're in your second, third, fourth playthrough. Man, I would love to play it again, but I screwed. I'm going to finish one and import those games into two because I'm dying to see this. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I really don't know what else to say. It's just, it's nobody really does it quite as well as Bioware when they really when they really set down and put their minds to it and make a game that is absolutely fucking ridiculous. Not just as a game, but as a persistent world. And I want to see all the different ways that all of their games for this particular franchise tie together. Hell, I'd fucking love uh, a little tie-in from the goddamn iPhone game into this for Christ's sake. The iPhone game is oh, fun yeah. as shit. Yes, it is. You know. Yeah. Moving on to other good games as well. Our little favorite two, Torchlight, won the best debut game at the GDC. Way to go, guys. Yeah, very big congrats to the guys. Um, There was a a little brief interview with them as well on uh, Kotaku that was uh, was fun. You could tell that they're they're quite happy. But I mean, Christ, they've been getting so many awards for this game that, I mean, you got to be getting used to it. And they do hint at Torchlight 2 in the works, which I'm betting you that's being worked on at the same time is the MMO and because they are smaller yeah. staff I wouldn't be surprised if two comes out before the MMO well when we, when we talked to them ages ago they said they were going to take a big break before 
Because I me, mean, like, they were our first interview. I'm like, man, I'm dying for the one day they're going to be interviewed by Kotaku. Some shit. I go, yeah, those for the lore guys. We told them and blah blah blah. But anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, man, it's they were say they they were really tight lipped. They're like, oh, we're gonna take a major break and breathe for a minute before we talk about working on the MMO with you know with Torchlight. But I'm kind of man, Torchlight two so soon. That'd be bad as shit, dude. I, I well, it can easily happen. Again, they're they're putting out a game that doesn't require nearly as much um, developmental time as True. the bigger kind of games, and yet it's still done so incredibly well that it gets all of this attention. And again, it's like they said during this little interview too: put out a, a solid game that doesn't take forever to put out, and yet still and is not expensive. And you're mm-hmm. going, and it doesn't also have huge requirements for your system. And you're going to have something that people are going to want to buy. And so if Hell. they do the same thing with two and just kind of expand on that the Ember world a little bit more, mm-hmm. oh, hell, I'd drop 20 bucks on that in a heartbeat. Well, hell yes. they were able, they were to recently, didn't, uh, is it finally happening now? They announced that they were going to be able to buy Torchlight in the store, like on a store shelf. They actually had yeah. enough going on that they can produce it in a, like, you know, a boxed hard copy instead of just a digital download. Yeah. That's, that's a major step, man, for a small company like that, just getting on its feet to be able to afford to mass produce a product and ship it around. The, that's bad as hell, man. That's yeah. real the, applaud for them. You know what? The only thing you guys have got to work on now, please, is your Mac client. Get yes. the game out on Mac, please, please. Before you put out two, just put it out on the Mac. And I, I will say two things here. First of all, a perfect opportunity to work on it for the Mac uh, is going to be the fact that Steam is coming to the Mac. Yeah, you true. guys could completely make this game ready for download through Steam as well as your, your pressings of the games that you're putting out there for CDs. Perfect opportunity to do it. Um, I, I know some of the coding that's involved in flipping between the two formats now, uh, thanks to my coder dan um it's doable you guys can do it i would love to see it please do it because i would love to take this with me with my macbook wherever i go they can make it a launch title for for steam it could be one of the launch titles it would be it would it would do them really well because there's a lot of mac gamers out there that have parallels installed or or uh, vm fusion or boot camp installed to to play and you think i'm gonna i'm exaggerating about this but to play torchlight oh yeah Um, well it's a perfect game to play on a macbook Exactly. Um, number two, I want to say the idea of Torchlight 2 really excites me. I loved Torchlight 1. I have played through the game on all three types of characters, um, multiple talent builds. Um, I have gone through this game probably a lot more than I have any other single player game in a very long time. Number two also presents a very interesting opportunity, like Roger's already touched on, expanding the world of Ember. This is a very important step that most games, uh, anybody who knows anything about game development or writing a game story, um, if you're going to try to transition from a single player game to an MMO, uh, you have to take steps in between, which is going to be expanding your world, expanding your character base, expanding your NPCs. Um, This is something I actually have firsthand knowledge of, thankfully, um, to all my research and all my work that I'm doing on my back end. This also presents an interesting opportunity to start bridging the gap for multiplayer. I would love to see Torchlight 2 come out with a multiplayer interface, very much like Diablo. We know that they can do it. They've done it before. They know the technology. It's already there. It's already under the hood. 
I'd love to see that take off. I'd love to see a four player uh, multiplayer torchlight two world where I can get three of my buddies and just oh, go oh, ripping oh, through oh, shit. Oh. Hey, as, <laughs> as long as as long as it's user friendly enough to actually get with your friends and play the damn thing, I am happy as hell because if I have to go through another Borderlands issue, we're trying yeah, to Yeah, but again, that was it, a lot of the problems with that too was because of the stupid game spy and crap like that. True. true. But, but think about it. They have the perfect connection already in place. They can already install the game through Steam. If you have an online client, you can load Steam games uh, through, like even if you don't buy it through Steam, you can load a game on there. And if it has Steam support, uh, perfect example, Dawn of War 2. I have Dawn of War 2. I did not buy it through Steam, but I put it in. Steam recognized it and loaded it in just fine converted it to a steam copy downloaded the files it needed to and then the new version that just came out the rising or chaos rising right. was installed just fine even though i have a hard copy game of dawn of war 2 so they have a perfect format that they can utilize and exploit that's free essentially to to connect players together i'd love to fucking see this please guys runic if you're listening i, I will give you my right <laughs> kidney to sell in the black market i don't give a shit make it happen if you need somebody to come in and and, and work for you i will i'll fetch coffee i'll i'll wipe brows i'll do whatever well, you have you'll to do, do wiping a lot more than that I'll, yeah I'll, I'll, I'll fucking wear knee pads i don't even care at this point but i'd love to see this happen because it is such a wonderful world it's such a wonderful game and it is a great company that i know would do it right okay can, now can because you put on a little maid's dress <laughs> Okay, <laughs> moving on. Let's keep him excited, too, and look at the next item to talk about, too. We've got a lot more going on with Star Trek Online as well that they're talking about, um, including a new playable faction. Go ahead, Joe, because I'm going to let you say what you got to say before I say what I got to say. Okay, well, get back for bio. <laughs> I have two things to say. One is praise, and one is not so praise. Um, Star Trek Online is an IP that, as we know, is absolutely huge and has a lot going on. Um, it is not an MMO in the traditional sense that we're used to. It's more of a kind of a it's an social MMO. It's an instance MMO. It's kind of a get your friends together and do something. If not, go ahead and do it by yourself. They're introducing the idea of having multiple factions, which is also very, very cool. And most of the MMOs that are out there, you have two factions. You have one faction opposed with the other and then an NPC faction that nobody can touch, nobody can control. Uh, perfect examples, World of Warcraft, Ion. Okay. Um, even City of Heroes only had two playable factions, had heroes and villains, nothing in between. So it's interesting to be able to see all the different factions of the Star Trek universe that they could possibly bring in. The Kardashians, they're talking about all the different uh, races that have their own splinter groups, their own uh, governments, their own things that they can take care of. My problem with this, though, and I'm sure Roger's going to say very much the same thing, is there's a lot more in the game that needs to be fixed first. There's a lot of things that need to be smoothed out to make the game more enjoyable and, and kind of ease the transition from your first level character, your level one character, to your admiral character, and, and make that transition a lot more fun. Right now, a lot of the good stuff is backloaded okay so it's not going to be as fun for me to let's say rule another faction because that first 15 levels 20 levels is really a slog i mean even past level 10 the, the next 10 levels i mean they're better but they're not great you know so i mean there's a lot to go there's a lot of stuff that still needs to be worked on combat needs to be fixed um instances need to be fixed i'm experiencing a lot more rubber banding in the game and that needs to be looked at as well before you start introducing all these different races and factions would i love to see this take off absolutely i would love to see 10 different factions i would love to see an all-out pvp 
space fleet brawl between 10 different factions. Absolute fucking chaos. I would love to see that. Do I think it's going to happen anytime soon? No, I think they have too much that they need to work on first. I think they'll add a third race. I think that it will go well, but it could be done much better. I want to see more polished first guys than give me 10 playable fucking factions. Okay, here's my take on this and what's going on. Fix your Klingons before you even think about announcing another faction. If you couldn't even launch the game with two factions properly, then you shouldn't already be talking about adding more factions. There's so many problems right now with playing Klingons because there's absolutely nothing in there that to say, okay, well, now we can introduce yet another faction. Well, what are they, they going to have? Because if you piggyback onto another faction, say the Romulans and the Klingons or allied or whatever, um, then you're going to have the same lack of diversity with the starting quest, if any exists. If you were to choose another, toss me another race that would be allied with the Federation. Who would be? Joe? Uh, Honestly, if you're going to talk about who's going to be allied with the... the, uh the Federation most likely would be like the Kardashians. Okay, so let's say they introduce the Kardashians and then, but again, they don't give them any kind of different starting point you choose a Cardassian, you're doing the same exact mm-hmm. quest that you did as any other federation so really you're not it, it's you've done it once you don't necessarily want to do it again i'm seeing that right now that there's very very little diversity in those starting quests as more games have been coming out more mmos and ion's another very good example of this and Enough time has passed since the starting of WoW. I'm gaining more and more admiration for what they did back then. Because you could play WoW so many different types of characters, but also so many zones to play in. You could restart and start a brand new character and not touch the same quests until much later on. Whereas with these other games, holy crap, you're doing the same shit over and over again. Now, let's just say they do introduce the Cardassians, let's say, and they do make their own starting hub zone and things like that. And so that you have a couple of like, you know, quite a few levels where you're not doing the same shit you always did. We also have the problem now where we're limited to only a couple of character slots without having to buy more. So then again, you're going to have to be paying to be able to play any of these extra classes or, or factions, you know. There's a lot of things that they need to fix. And then the last thing that I have an issue with with this is, yes, like you're saying, it would be awesome to have the reality of that IP wherein there's a lot of different, you know, governments, different factions, little everything. And then you're doing all of the political strategizing between factions and things like that, that, that adds a ton of depth to the game. However, you need more players to make it worthwhile because otherwise all you're doing is you're spreading your player base so thin that you're not going to have that many people in each faction. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of things that they need to work on before they start introducing that, not the least of which being boost your numbers. And you'll do that by making the game much more rock solid and improving the content. Yep, you got a, they got a little more to go, but... They have a they have a solid IP to work with. They just 
need to work with it. Yeah. And like I said earlier, too, I actually played quite a bit more this week. And no, I'm not that far. But again, I'm having a huge problem with episodic content right now, which I've been mentioning several times over. I have a huge problem with it. I didn't like the idea when they first introduced it. I like the concept of, oh, it'll be nice to have these little, you know, little episodes where everything is tied in quite nicely. The problem is, is that if you need to log off for whatever reason and you don't return soon you're starting from scratch again or to the last point before you start a big leap forward kind of thing the next chain uh, quest in the chain essentially so you kill four or five squads of gorn or klingons or whatever and you gotta leave and you come back the next day you gotta kill you're starting from scratch again and that sucks and it's not cool for a variety of reasons not the least of which being that the ship combat can at times be quite exciting however i'm finding quite often now it's not Tedious. nearly as exciting away missions as i've said before i'm literally hitting a couple of buttons and surviving it all no problem and i'm i'm you know i'm not doing anything differently than anybody else i've been in groups with other people they're all doing the same thing there's really i am seeing that now that being said too the i actually happened upon a couple of very good episodes last week that i did the klingons going through time and everything you must have done that one yes it was awesome i will say that i mean when you go back and there's the enterprise and you save the enterprise and then later they come and they save you they help you as you're going through it was really a lot of fun really epic the only problem was is that again compared to the fable 2 where it was so easy that you're pressing a couple of buttons and it just was not as epic as it could have been is what I'm getting at. And they have a good writing team. They have a good coding team. They have a good company supporting them. They just need to get their act together and start putting it out there. There are gems hidden without or throughout this episode of content. But like you said, there's a lot of problems. If I'm going to go kill 10 boars, I don't want to kill like nine, have to log or disconnect, uh, which has happened to me in Star Trek Online. I've been almost done with a mission, disconnect, come back, have to start the mission over from scratch. Um, I don't want to have to be able to, or I don't want to have to start from scratch all over again. I want to be able to pick up where I left off and I want more interesting scenarios like the time one. The time one was interesting because it wasn't all Berman and Braga. It was actually fun. It was interesting story. It was interesting interaction. So yeah, it just give me something. Give me some polish. Give me more of it. They're, they're there. They're in the game. They're little, little beacons of light in the murk that is this quest line and episodic content. Give me more of it. See, it's funny because I've been reading more about Ion's new patch 1.9 that's going to be coming as well which they've been talking about at the gdc and it's funny how i'm looking at star trek online as it stands and the potential of what ion's going to be with 1.9 and as frightening as it is to say i can see myself probably having more fun no. with ion as i currently <laughs> am with star trek online no how can you say that you haven't really you you, you haven't even no. been playing star trek online no i <laughs> Look, all right. I don't have much to say on this topic. I want to put my my position now. I talk about it because you guys talked about it. It's boring. It's boring to watch. It's boring to hear about it. It's boring to play. It's boring. Make it not boring. And then Ion is hard. It's really hard. It takes a lot of time. And they're all like, we're going to make it take less time. But it's still going to be hard. I'm like, no. 
<laughs> oh wait, come on! No, a lot of the shit that they're talking about with Ion now that they're going to be fixing, it really is going to have a lot of improvements over what it was before. I mean, yes. you can't even compare. Now, the only reason that I actually put it in the show notes was not to do any kind of comparison with Star Trek Online so much as I don't know if you guys noticed when they were talking about now this interview on massively was with. Um, Tammet, uh, Andrew Tammet Beagle, which, man, Beagle. yeah. I, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I learned to hate him on Twitter. I got to tell you, when everything was going wrong with uh, with Ion initially, and he'd just pop on his smug little ass, and it was like, like oh, hey, guys, yeah. we're working on it. Yeah, Talk screw you. Three months, bye. <laughs> you know, that was him. That was, that was his Twitter. Anyway, oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> it really feedback. was. Feedback. See you guys at GDC. Peace. And gone. Yeah. That was it. All okay. Anyway, my point was um, the the thing that really caught my eye is when they were talking about the 2.0 update and they were asking them if we're going to be seeing a lot of the vision stuff from that vision trailer in 2.0. And the way they're talking about it is, no, they haven't even decided. Some of the stuff from the vision uh, trailer was just glimpses of things that they'd like to put in there throughout the life of the game i mean really it we might not see 2.0 might not have a lot of the things that were in that vision trailer which i kind of found pretty disappointing called it <laughs> he did he really yeah. did so i like i was expecting them to at least be much more yes no i, I can understand if they're saying like you may not see all of what we showed you there in 2.0 but yes it will be in the game at some point but to point blank say we're not sure hold on a second what do you mean you're not sure who's running this pony show like there's somebody's got to know what the hell they're doing <laughs> maybe we'll make the game better i don't know we'll see what star trek online does <laughs> yeah. we'll see, see, um, uh, see what's going on with this star wars laser game coming out in 2011 maybe we'll have giant you know gold i don't know man the, the whole trailer for for 2.0 for visions i saw wow man nc soft makes really good game trailers maybe not the yeah. games but they make really good trailers man right, they should make everybody's trailer but they shouldn't make a game that. <laughs> yeah don't make any games nc soft just make trailers you guys make badass trailers trailers give me a hard on but your games are fucking horrible horrible uh, uh... All right, That's moving awesome. on from there, the last bit that I wanted to touch on, and then if you guys had anything else for GDC you want to touch on, we'll touch on it. But uh, was the DC Universe stuff that they talked about, and you were looking yes. into that, Joe. I have been foaming at the mouth, sucking up every crumb that drops for this game. DC Universe Online, when it was first announced, was supposed to be this huge epic saga of heroes being born into a, a, a persistent world set in the DC Universe, which actually it seems like it's shaping up to do um they just recently did um a stint about mass animation um fans are invited to help create trailers and in-game emotes in hopes of winning prizes and seeing their work in game um the gdc did preview that trailer and i like the fact that even though the game doesn't have a release date and even though the game is still under development um that they're trying to keep the community involved in it and right now if you think about it there's only two superhero games out there right um you have champions online and then you have city heroes both of which are still going strong city of heroes actually just getting another update it's getting another expansion but they have sort of a monopoly on it and they have this monopoly in a game where um it's they're not the best 
of the superhero genres. They're not what they could be because of certain shortcomings. Then you have DC Universe Online. DC um, honestly has such a plethora of and robust gallery of players and NPCs to pull from that they can actually do a lot of stuff like that. And they're talking about how they're putting milestones in the game. And you can think about it in DC universe. There's been a ton of milestones. There's been crisis on infinite earth, the OMAC project. Um, there's been all these different things in the, in the comics that they've put out there. Um, that they're trying to tie into the game and they're doing it in such a way that it affects the entire world. Now, one of the cool things about this, not only are they getting players involved, but they're also talking about, um, how they're they're taking their time to make sure that it feels like an MMO. And this is very important because Champions Online doesn't feel very much like an MMO. It feels very much like Star Trek where it's an instanced game where it's you can run around, maybe see a couple people fight for a few mobs and then fly off into the sunset. Champions uh, City Heroes is very much the same way. You can play the game single player. And they said flat out, if we wanted to make a single player game, fuck it. We would make a single player game. We want to make an MMO. And I like the fact that they're paying attention to that. They're making, they're trying to remove a lot of the instancing. They're trying to make sure players interact with each other. And I think that's important as well. Um, one of the biggest things that they were talking about too, is that the NPCs are going to be right there in the thick of battle with you. This is important. Yeah. And every- in every game you've played, okay, uh, aside from recently in WoW, where like King Varian Wynn and, and Sylvanas and all them have have fought with you on these small instances and these small sections of the game, what other game out there has NPCs that go into the thick of fucking battle with you? In DC Universe Online, it is perfectly acceptable for Batman to go, okay, we need to take out that installation. Fuck it, I'm coming with you. Take out the batarangs and go hell for broke into the mission. Taking down bad guys as much as you are is you and your team. And the other cool thing about it is the heroes, the NPCs, and the villains, if you decide to play on the villain side of things, mentor you as you go. So they're spending time, the NPCs are spending time uh, developing you into the story of the world. And that's something that you don't see in a lot of games. And I think that's huge, especially for an IP like this. Um I like the fact that they're taking not so so much of a heavy hand into to, you know, dividing it out or changing anything like that. I don't know. I just, I just I'm in all in all, I'm happy. I really am happy with what they're doing. Now, what I want to see is I want a fucking beta. I want my closed beta invite because I know you guys are going to listen at some point. I don't care if I have to like <laughs> shove it down your throat. I love you guys to death. Give me a closed beta. I will I will sing your praises. I will tell you what's wrong and need to fix it. I will offer my services. But most importantly, I'm looking for this game to have a release date. I want to know when I can get my hands on it. The game is polished. The game is pretty. Uh, oh, you can see Jesus. you can you can see the screenshot <laughs> from it right now. Uh, Roger's got them on the screen. If you don't know, go to dcuniverseonline.com. Check it out. It and I'll have to say this as well. They have a huge huge writing team. Okay, they have a writing team that is supported by Jim Lee. If you don't know who Jim Lee is, look him up on Wikipedia and then go cut yourself for not knowing because he is one of the huge writers in all comic books. He's a great mind for stories and he is interesting to see him really get his hands in this and work for it and make it work. So, yes, I am excited for this. Everything that they're announcing at the GDC has been looking fantastic. Just give me a date, guys, please. <laughs> it, Power Girl has a wicked rack. Power Girl does have a wicked rack, and the Watcher bursts her from space specifically for her breasts. <laughs> I mean, goddamn! It's like I, I can't zoom. I'm sorry. 
All and right. Zatanna 2, Jesus, this is, what, what is this game? I like this game. Command option 8. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think it'll work actually on the... Uh, with the the stream anyway anyways yeah i honestly i can't say anything more than what you said it 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 looks absolutely fantastic it oh i am making it bigger um told you and i uh, know i'm not using <laughs> what you said i'm actually just making the text bigger there. <laughs> sorry um but anyways so yeah that's what it looks like folks um the 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 graphics on them are unbelievable the big thing that i keep thinking about um no pun intended is um the <laughs> controls and this is where when you're talking about the, the um getting a beta out so that we can get a feel for it is really what are the controls going to be like because that's something that really puts me off and i know that it took me a while to get used to the controls for champions online mm-hmm. I, I didn't find it very intuitive. I don't I, I wasn't crazy about it. And it actually just it took me a while to get used to it. Once I got used to it, then yes, I was fine. But I shouldn't have to it shouldn't take that long to get used to something. And this is something that I'm hoping will be different and that it will be quite intuitive. They are certainly putting a lot of of work into the game and in terms of how good it looks, like really, look at the screenshots. They just look absolutely fantastic. One thing I will say, talking about combat, I want to see combat kind of akin to Dungeons and Dragons Online. And I understand that it's an older game, but it is an active participation game. You don't automatically lock on. You don't automatically hit or miss. There's a player involvement. And in a superhero game where people are dodging and diving and there's going to be, you know, collateral damage and you're going to have like Bizarro throwing tanks at you and shit. I want to see a more active style of gameplay in this in this MMO. That's what I want. Yeah. Moving on from there, we are looking forward to Awakening this week. Um, some contain more than others. <laughs> Joe, contain yourself. There, we're getting a level cap raised to 35. We've been talking about the videos that we've been seeing, including the new one for Nathaniel Howe. Really, everything that we're seeing right now, though, again, I still have issue with the price of the expansion based on the amount of hours that are going to be played. The fact remains that the work certainly has been put into it. Oh, my God. It just looks absolutely fantastic. I am excited and I I am excited when they showed the new Dwarven party member. I am excited when they showed justice the spirit of justice being trapped from the fade into the body of a fallen gray warden um i was excited with nathaniel howe i mean the game is shaping up to be fairly epic um and a continuation of the story too which is also very important because it takes the story from the first game and continues it on and i think that's an important step too because this world has the opportunity to become a great ip it really does um, I have the pen and paper game. The pen and paper game is absolutely awesome. It has a lot of background that you'll find in the books. It also has some background that you don't find in the books or the game, um, which we'll talk about. I'll, I'll do a feature on that later. Um, <laughs> but one of the most important things about this 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 game is the way it's being delivered, so to speak. Um, it is. I emailed steam and i emailed a few people to get responses on how the game is going to be delivered the game is actually going to be delivered multiple ways and it's being downloaded uh if you pre-order online you can download it from ea you can download it from bioware you can download it from steam as downloadable content directly into the game so you don't actually have to install a separate piece of uh, of 
code, it'll actually integrate directly into the game to draw your character from the first game in if you so choose. That's actually really cool because that could be a way that future games are going to start potentially doing their 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 things. And I think that's awesome because that level of integration, especially with a story that's going to be continuing on and broadening the scope of the game is important. You don't want to sit there and have, uh, um, so to speak, uh, I can't think of the word I'm trying to I'm trying to say here. You don't want it to be uh, stilted. God damn it, my brain stopped functioning. <laughs> you don't want it to be you don't you don't want it to be a jagged transition. You don't want to sit there and have like this huge gap between the games. Integrating the games together um, is imp- is nice. It's a nice change of pace. <laughs> yeah, I unfortunately um, my first character I let her die to save the world kind of thing. Um, so I'm not obviously going to be able to import her in, um, so which means that I'm going to have to do a brand new character because I never did finish on my, my second playthrough on my badass mage. So, But again, it's the same thing as with Mass Effect. I want to finish it before I actually bring the uh, start to this expansion because I want to be able to import it in. It's they do such a good job with that of importing that in that I want to I want to see the fruits of my labor later on as well in the second part. So it is something that I really, really everything that I keep seeing about this is, is more and more epic. I can't wait to play it. Um, staying with Bioware as well, they did some um, some more announcing as well of the Star Trek on, or sorry, yes. the Star Wars The Old Republic, and this really kills me. They're talking about the planet of Bel, Bel Savis, which is basically a Republic-run um, prison, and mm-hmm. they're talking. It's going to be full of badasses in there. And the hint that people are saying is, it really sounds like a raid event, does it not? You go into this prison, and you can just be fighting all kinds of different, not you know the same types of mobs. When you go in, the trash mobs are all the same throughout the whole instance. This you'd have the opportunity to have basically anything you can imagine just tossed in. How the hell do you prepare for that? Skill, be ready to know your class, know your party, know what you can do that would be awesome this is another one of those games where bioware can't do any wrong i don't think um they're putting everything in the in the fucking kitchen sink into this and i can't fucking wait um the game is shaping up to be beautiful the environments are lush the character classes are robust and the idea of a whole prison planet that's all that's an old school, old school space scenario with whole prison planets. Whether you go to Star Trek, whether you read any of the Star Wars books, uh, any of the pen and paper games like Rogue Trader, um, there's always a scenario for it. And to see that they're putting it into the game is absolutely fucking awesome. Um, To have it where it's like every goddamn Billy Badass where anything you can possibly imagine will be on this fucking planet. That's huge. And that makes for epic content. And I think that the game really is shaping up to be a legendary uh, entry into the gaming world. And I don't use that word very often, especially with games. I don't think I don't say that games are going to make a huge impact as often as, as other people do. But I think this one in particular, I think Star Wars, the Old Republic is actually shaping up to be a game that is going to help shape uh, and make a huge impact on future gaming from its release on. Well, they're pumping so much money into this game right now, too, that it's like 
you need the money to be able to make the the universe as in-depth as they are doing to get mm-hmm. all of the voice acting done properly. There was actually on, I think it was on Massively, they got to do some playthroughs on some of the inf- the starter stuff with the Trooper, and they were talking about the, the questing and how amazing it was and how intuitive, and you get, again, it's you're getting that voice acting for the questing, not just reading through walls of text and so yeah no everything that they're working on with it right now it's it's it just keeps getting better the more you hear about it well i was i was gonna say one thing though um i did read i don't know if i read this on kotaku or if i read this on massively but i i kind of agree with you with the writer he said that he remains skeptical yet interested i'm excited but i'm respectfully very skeptical about the game because they were saying that the gameplay itself like the storyline all, all the things that we've we've all been waxing poetic about are, are very very well done i mean for god's sake it's bioware but um as far as gameplay wise it's it's very early obviously to even bother putting a lot of you know weight to these concerns but the guy was saying that the you know the mode that he played was very very basic that the NPCs, you know, the mobs didn't react the way they should have reacted, that the gameplay itself was very easy. And the only way that he actually got any kind of challenging, decent firefights playing as a, a trooper um, was if he ran ahead, aggroed like 30 guys at once and then turned around and started playing. And that's how he he got it to feel, you know, the, the gameplay and the combat as, you know, like the rest of the game was. So hopefully... I mean, I honestly, at this point, I'm, I'm in the position where I'm excited about it. I'm really hoping that it's a very successful game. There's no doubt it's going to be successful. There's no doubt it's going to get millions of um, subscribers and whatnot. But I want to see, like, a non-cam rip, not at a convention gameplay video. I want to see, like, an actual gameplay video. I want to see a trailer that has gameplay. I want to see the UI. I want to see just all the basic things about the game that isn't just a demo to show off voice acting or to show off, you know, the elements that we've had in Knights of the Old Republic. Because right now, all I've seen is they've upped the graphics a lot and they've promised a lot. And I know that they're going to deliver on it because Bioware doesn't deliver anything that doesn't promise what they cannot deliver. But I want to see them make it work i want to see what it's like when i play day to day you know yeah and a lot of what they said during that um that article as well you can attribute to the fact that the game still isn't done so they're going to be changing a lot of that as they're going along the difficulty level i'm quite certain they made it so that these guys wouldn't die so that it would be a lot easier for them to go through in the limited time that they were going to be playing the game it it doesn't make sense that the game would be released with no aggro radius to speak of and that you you just don't die um so i'm thinking that was just so that again the reviewers are going to be on can play for longer without doing corpse runs i mean Mm -hmm. there's no saying even at this point whether they've developed a mechanic for what's going to happen when you do die and how you're going to do that corpse run and things like that so who knows um and as as for the the type of gameplay I like how what they were saying too is that they weren't trying to reinvent the wheel in terms of the gameplay because they've done that with the um the questing portion and it's the same thing as with mass effect they're not trying to reinvent first person shooters they're just trying to integrate it properly in with their line of questing and it was the same thing with dragon age origins so again that's why i'm giving them a lot more credit and i have a lot more faith in them for for now i am willing to give them as much time as they need because i know that they're going to do it right I have not been disappointed by a Bioware game in the last 
few years. I don't actually, I don't think the last decade I've really been disappointed by a Bioware game. Um, I, I know that they're going to do it right. I know that they're going to do the IP right. I just, I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see a full on beta for this as well. Like I'm talking about a beta for DC universe online. I'm dying for a beta for this. I want to get my hands on it. I want to dive in. I want to see the UI. I want to go. Let's go time. All right, let's move on from there to some wow news as well. There yes. was uh, not some, much wow news, not too too much. Uh, a little bit though. There there was a, a a video that came out of Little XT. You were talking about you wanted to see the animations and things like I that. Want yep. that's it's actually if you so bad. Dude. If you go right now to the well, hell, just look at the uh, the site. I've got it up there now. They've got the. Uh, the video for it, it is hilarious, and it does look fantastic. I'm going to drop the volume down, and I'll play it for the folks. There's also the Celestial Dragon model, which, wow, that thing looks amazing. I I want that sucker more than anything else. There was uh, some information about Cataclysm and some rumors in PC Gamer, the UK version as well. That was fairly accurate. Yeah, I'm, 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 I, I don't mean to cut off. I'm no, no, go, all go, of go. Pretty, all of it is pretty damn accurate. Before but, BlizzCon, well, no, go, go ahead, Joe. A lot of it isn't new. And that's no, the yes. key thing. Yeah. That's the one thing that people have to remember. It's not not all that is new. The, the biggest new thing in there was probably about Karen Bloodhoof. Everything right. else is pretty much stuff we already knew. But e- even the whole Karen Bloodhoof thing, I mean, we we pretty much figured that. It's not yeah. even that. It's before before BlizzCon hit, before BlizzCon last year, there was this big like explosion, this big hullabaloo on the net. I posted about it. MMO Champion posted about it. WoW.com. Everybody and their mother who had any kind of affinity with the World of Warcraft posted about these cataclysm leaks, which was either a leak on purpose or not, you know, to help create buzz. You know, and that's where the whole thing was like, yeah, you know, um, Thrall is going to become the next guardian of Tears Fall. He's going to be like the next Medivh, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. he's going to just leave Garrosh in charge because he doesn't have anybody else to really put in charge that he can because Drek'thar's too damn old anyway. And um, Karen is going to be called out as being a traitor and he's going to be killed and Bane Bloodhoof, which is um, going to be moved to... He's going to be like the new leader of the Torrent. Bane is Karen's son or something, some business like uh, that. Et cetera, gonna, et cetera. I want to make a prediction though, real quick, as we're on as we're on Karen Bloodhoof. I think personally that Karen Bloodhoof is going to become a guardian very much so like Scenarius, but in the new Desolus. Oh, Ooh. you know, that that actually might work out because he's supposed to play a big role with the whole with Desolus becoming, you know, verdant and, and life, you yes, know, full of is. life and whatnot. And it, it, I don't know. After reading, especially after reading Stormrage, I'm thinking we might end up seeing uh, Hamul Runetotem, the guy who's apparently the mm-hmm. druid leader for the Torn. He might play a much bigger role now. They're going to take a lot of NPCs. That's something that I've seen Blizzard is starting to do with this whole the expansion cataclysm is all about revitalizing the original World of Warcraft, right? So there were a lot of NPCs that fell by the wayside that maybe had one token quest or maybe had one mention in quest text and nobody ever heard from them again. They're there for, you know, the role players to fiddle around with, not really for anything else. And now they're kind of being brought up like Narlax, the freaking druids that are in charge of the Wailing Caverns. They're going to succeed. The Barons is going to become a freaking paradise and nobody knows who the hell they are unless you've specifically gone out of your way to do that or if you're a low-level horde character that actually bothered to do that whole quest chain otherwise you have no idea who the hell these people are you know 
So I'm I'm very I'm looking forward to this, man. I, I really am. I think it's going to be very, very, very cool. It's going to be a nice way to maybe it'll be a nice way for WoW to close out, to be honest, because this BlizzCon coming in 2010, I bet very good money that we're going to learn about Blizzard's next generation MMO that's going to be coming out. They're going to give us a name, maybe a demo, maybe a little video or something, because they're going to have to compete with Star Wars, bro. They got way too much they're going to have to compete with that they can't just rely everything back on WoW again. You know what I'm saying? Well, and I've said it before and I'll say it again. There, there are certain themes that every fantasy novel, every fantasy lore has to it. And it's one of them. One major thing is either the going back home or the destruction of home. And right. how do you draw? And they're doing that right now. They are throwing the entire world that everybody's known for five years into complete upheaval. So, yeah, I think they're doing it right. And then, world. Yeah. yeah. Over. We also found out about some more pets for people who like your mini pets. There's going to be three mini pets that are going to be sold as well in Dalaran, the blue clockwork robot bot, the blue crashing, thrashing, thrashing racer controller, as well as the tiny blue ragdoll, which uh, you were talking about that earlier too. Yes. If if people, everybody who's listening, when the blue ragdoll is released, I am going to start doing a series of hide and go seek with the blue <laughs> ragdoll on Zul'jin. <laughs> Okay, and I'm gonna do com- I'm gonna do contests. It's a 30 minute timer, so when I do it, I'll tweet about it. I'll put a post out there. You'll have 30 minutes to find it. Take a screenshot and email it to me. The first person that gets it will win. So I'll be looking forward to it because 3.33. I'm really excited about it. All right, <laughs> and we were talking about before the show. Just to close out this episode, uh, we were talking about what we're planning for our next drunk tank episode, the one that's gonna have tart on it. And what we are going to be doing is we're gonna do the same show as normal. We're gonna be doing some news and whatnot as quite a bit of beverages drank Um, (laughs) but we're also going to be in game and we're going to have a contest that's going to be me and rick versus the lovebirds and basically we're all going to roll level ones of opposite factions so they're going to be well we're going to do a random roll for who gets horde versus alliance and then we're going to choose a designated zone and then it's going to be a race to that zone and then pvp and the last tune standing wins for their group so that's going to be the fun that we're going to have and it's going to be the first episode as well that's going to be available both as audio as well as audio and video because we're going to be doing some fraps with this and developing a nice little video to splice together all of the fun that we had. Now with that, we are going to close off this episode. Next episode, we're going to have Vince with us for the entire episode. So yay for people who actually like Sammy. And we're going to do some talking about, uh, well, we pretend to. We're going to do some talking (laughs) about um, Final Fantasy XIII, which he has been playing. And we're also going to do some talking about the upcoming Final Fantasy XIV, the MMO. The more that's coming out about this game, the more interesting it is sounding. And it is something that, again, for for all of our dislike of Final Fantasy in terms of weird-ass stories and everything, there's a lot of things that they're doing with this MMO, at least what they're talking about, that is actually sounding fantastic, including, and though not limited to, like the character classes that they're talking about. Yeah. Holy crap and hell, this sounds like fun. So you'll want to tune in next week for that. We're going to have a lot of fun talking about that with Sam. So until then, make sure to check us out. I will try to release the show tomorrow, if at all possible. If not, of course, same as usual, it'll be out on Wednesday. And we will see you guys next week.
Hello everyone, this is Vince from MassiveNerd.net, bringing you my weekly Mass Effect 2 squad member biography. Please note, these features do contain spoilers, so if you have not finished the game yet, now is the time to stop listening. This week's character is the man known only as Archangel. All the genius and power on the Normandy would be useless without a tactician. Looking to fill that role, Shepard heads to Omega in search of the enigmatic Archangel. Archangel showed up on Omega with his team and started cleaning up the center of all criminal activity in the galaxy. While this was no small task, Archangel quickly started making a dent in the mercenary bands operating out of the space station. Before long, the galaxy's three largest mercenary bands, the Blue Suns, Blood Pack, and Eclipse, were forced to band together, perhaps for the first time in recorded history, in order to take down the threat to their business. While Archangel and his team were a threat to the three bands separately, as a combined force they proved far more formidable. Before long, the entire team was taken out, leaving only Archangel alone against the mercenaries. Archangel dug into a highly defensible position, taking over an abandoned apartment building, with the only way in being a single bridge. As long as his supplies held out, Archangel could hold the position indefinitely. Then again, he is only one person. Eventually, the mercenaries would come up with a plan. Archangel had to be rescued, and this gave Shepard his way in. The Mercs were recruiting freelancers to use as cannon fodder. Shepard and his crew signed on, figuring it would be their best chance to get to Archangel and get him out safely. Upon reaching the apartment building, everyone is treated to a surprise. Archangel recognizes Shepard. He removes his helmet to reveal his true identity, the Turian rebel Garrus Vicarian. Garrus served under Shepard on the First Normandy in the fight against Saren and Sovereign. His investigation into Saren while with Citadel security was stonewalled at every attempt, and he jumped at the chance to work outside the system to take him down. Garrus started off as a bit ruthless, willing to do whatever is necessary to get the job done. Garrus would either support Shepard's renegade decisions, or mellow out a bit and learn that violence is not necessarily always the best course of action. Either way, Shepard earned his support and loyalty. While Archangel would have been a valuable member of the crew, Garrus and Shepard working together again are a force of nature. They take on all three mercenary squads, taking down their captains one by one. Though the Blue Suns cheated, calling in a gunship to take down two people. The resulting battle ended up with the gunship going down in flames, and Garrus taking a hit, blowing half his face off and critically injuring the Turian. Back on the Normandy, Garrus is treated for his injuries, earning a few cybernetic implants. He explains that after the destruction of the First Normandy, he tried to fit back in. Unfortunately, Garrus was never very good at fitting in before joining up with Shepard. Unable to work in the political climate of the Citadel, Garrus took a page out of Shepard's book. He went renegade, forming his own team of specialists to right wrongs in the galaxy. When dealing with the worst of the worst, decisions are never easy. Regardless of how Shepard treated him in the first game, Garrus has become a hard person. To quote Joker, it's great that Garrus finally managed to work that stick out of his ass, but now he's trying to beat people to death with it. When Shepard asks why his mission failed and his squad was killed, Garrus reveals that they were betrayed by one of their own. Sidonis sold them out to the mercenaries, leaving only Garrus alive, while Sidonis himself disappeared. This leads to Garrus' loyalty mission, Eye for an Eye, where Garrus learns that Sidonis has been hiding on the Citadel. The mission starts with Garrus tracking down the Master Forger that provided Sidonis with his new identity, the enigmatic Fade. The investigation reveals that Fade is none other than Harkin, Garrus's former associate at CSEC. After some persuasion, Harkin arranges a meeting with Sidonis. 
Garrus can see this meeting ending only one way, with a sniper shot between Sedonis' eyes. If Shepard gives him the chance, though, Sedonis confesses everything. He regrets selling out Garrus and the team, but he did it to save his own life. Not a day goes by that he doesn't second-guess his decision. Now, he wishes he had died instead. Seeing that Sedonis is already dead inside, Garrus takes pity on him and spares his life. Sedonis swears to make it right and turns himself in for the murder of the squad. Either way, justice is served, and Garrus can move on. With Garrus being arguably the coolest member of the Normandy crew, he is obviously a romantic interest for Shepard. Through conversation, Garrus opens up and displays his vulnerability, admitting to being alone. If Shepard chooses to fill that void, Garrus promises to make something go right in his life now that Shepard is part of it. Just be sure to visit Morden first. The doctor can recommend ways to avoid chafing, and advises against... ingestion. In the first game, Garrus was a great squad member, bringing a combination of combat and tech abilities to the table. This time around, he keeps a bit of his tech background with the overload ability. Where he really shines, though, is his sniping skills. Manually switch Garrus to the Mantis sniper rifle, never let him use the Viper. With amazing accuracy and no need to worry about ammo, Garrus will provide headshot after headshot. All sniper characters are powerful in Mass Effect 2, but Garrus offers more to the squad than Legion or Zaid with his final ability, Armor-Piercing Ammo. The higher you go in difficulty, the more useful this ability is, as almost every enemy on Insanity has armor, in addition to other defenses. Alongside Miranda and Grunt, Garrus is a top-tier choice for your squad. Garrus has long been a fan favorite with his cocky attitude and general badass disposition. The decision to include him again wasn't just based on fan reaction, though. He fills a vital role in the Normandy's mission against the Collectors. He's someone Shepard can trust, someone outside of Cerberus' influence. Knowing what Shepard can do from first-hand experience, he's the most confident in the mission's success. Roger's gonna make a gnome, just saying. If I get alliance, oh yeah, I already know what I'm doing. Dude, here. he's he's all over the gnome. I I am a gnome warlock, and I will just be me and my imp. We will shoot you guys down because you can get that imp level one no problem. I'm not mm -hmm. your imp. <laughs> <laughs> I got a I got another word for you, darling. <laughs> See. Tart and I will get there first, and you still still be busy having butt sex and whatever starting zone you guys are starting in. It's fine. It'll be no, great. No, 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 no it'll, it'll, it'll just. <laughs> you know what? Maybe just wait. See you there, buddy. Because you get your stealth at two, do you not? I think at level two. Yeah, because I just got yes. it. So again, it doesn't take long to get to two, and then make your way over, and then just back stabity stabity stabity. And we have the right uh, number this week too. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Can't complain about lag. You're 32,000 feet in the air streaming a fucking podcast. <laughs> Boy, she likes to complain. Joe, you're in trouble. <laughs> no freaking wow. peaking. <laughs> Way to throw it out there, buddy. Yeah. Tark, you gonna put up with that? I don't know. I wouldn't put up with you gotta, that. You gotta, you gotta leave it to the to the freaking the the Europeans. Or specifically, he's not one. European. <laughs> he's he's Irish, isn't he? No, no, he's DP. You're in Australia, aren't you? 
Australia, Australia. you moron. Oh, you Holy you man. You like. Learn to map, man. <laughs> it's called the globe. You know, just pick one up okay, one day. No, and, and not a snow globe. Hoogs just kind of. Is the guy on. Okay, yeah, Hoogs is a Scottish dude. My brother in law is the Irish dude. DP is the Australian dude. Okay. Hold on. You mistook DP for your brother in law? You know what? Every time I'm logging on, I played a little bit more actually STO this week. Every time I'm logging on, none of you bastards are on. I, I don't know. Everybody's saying, yeah, I'm playing, I'm playing, I'm playing. I never see anybody else on. And I'm not part of a, a, of a Legion fleet, whatever the hell. So there's like, it's freaking lonely out there in space by yourself. You I'll miss your Star home Trek so much, then. you miss your wife. It's lonely out in space. It is quite lonely out in space. And... <laughs> And, and, like uh, yeah, well, no, I try not to be. Um, and 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 honestly, I'm having I'm having serious issues with. Uh, dude, I'm still in the library here. There's people around me. Um, so when when I saw that picture, when I saw that video that you sent, it was just like you could not have stabbed me harder. <laughs> that freaking video, because like Missy looked at it and she goes, "I want that." And I'm like, "I'm sorry." <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was it was one of those things. Very very cool, man. Very yeah, it's, a lot of books, dude. Damn. Yeah, we got uh, a few. We're up over a couple of thousand. <laughs> oh, yeah, easily. I and the other guy whose name I cannot pronounce for the freaking life of me is all about AOE damage and status effects and shit, and That's he only does damage. Yeah, that thing. Tomatur. <laughs> I'm 
Badilla,